Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Luke 5, verses 1 to 11, and then through J.C. Rao's expository thoughts on Luke. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, and the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, We have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But while Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. We have, in these verses, the history of what is commonly called the miraculous catch of fish. It is a remarkable miracle on two accounts. For one thing, it shows us our Lord's complete dominion over the animal creation. The fish of the sea are as much obedient to his will as frogs and flies and lice and locusts in the plague of Egypt. All are his servants, and all obey his commands. For another thing, there is a singular similarity between this miracle worked at the beginning of our Lord's ministry and another which we find him working after his resurrection at the end of his ministry, recorded by John, John 21. In both, we read of a miraculous catch of fish. In both, the Apostle Peter has a prominent place in the story. And in both, there is, probably, a deep spiritual lesson lying below the outward surface of the facts described. We should observe in this passage our Lord Jesus Christ's unwearied readiness for every good work. Once more, we find him preaching to a people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. And where does he preach? Not in any consecrated building or place set for public worship, but in the open air. Not in a pulpit constructed for a preacher's use, but in a fisherman's boat. Souls were waiting to be fed. Personal inconvenience was allowed no place in his consideration. God's work must not stand still. The servants of Christ should learn a lesson from their master's conduct in this occasion. We are not to wait until every little difficulty or obstacle is removed before we put our hand to the plow or go forth to sow the seed of the word. Convenient buildings may often be lacking for assembling a company of hearers. Convenient rooms may often not be found for gathering children to school. What then are we to do? Shall we sit still and do nothing? God forbid. If we cannot do all we want, let us do what we can. Let us work with such tools as we have. While we are lingering and delaying, souls are perishing. 
It is the slothful heart that is always looking at the hedge of thorns and the lion in the way. Proverbs 15, 19 and 22, 13. Where we are and as we are, in season and out of season, by one means or another, by tongue or by pen, by speaking or by writing, let us strive to be ever working for God. But let us never stand still. We should observe, secondly, in this passage, what encouragement our Lord gives to unquestioning obedience. We are told that after preaching, he bade Simon launch out into the deep and let down his net for a catch. He receives an answer which exhibits in a striking manner the mind of a good servant. Master, says Simon, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And what was the reward for this ready compliance to the Lord's commands? At once, we are told, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. We need not doubt what a practical lesson for all Christians is contained under these simple circumstances. We are meant to learn the blessing of immediate, unhesitating obedience to every plain command of Christ. The path of duty may sometimes be hard and disagreeable. The wisdom of the course we propose to follow may not be apparent to the world. But none of these things must move us. We must not confer with flesh and blood. We are to go straight forward when Jesus says go. And do a thing boldly, unflinchingly, and decidedly when Jesus says, do it. We are to walk by faith and not by sight, and believe that what we don't see now will be right and reasonable, we shall see thereafter. So acting, we shall never find in the long run that we are losers. So acting, we shall find sooner or later that we will reap a great reward. We should observe, thirdly, in this passage, how much a sense of God's presence abases man and makes him feel his sinfulness. We see this strikingly illustrated by Peter's words when the miraculous draught convinced him that one greater than man was in his boat. We read that he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. In measuring these words of Peter, we must of course remember the time at which they were spoken. He was, at best, a babe in grace, weak in faith, weak in experience, and weak in knowledge. At a later period in his life, he would, doubtless, have said, Abide with me, and not depart. But still, after every deduction of this kind, the words of Peter exactly express the first feelings of man when he is brought into anything like close contact with God. The sight of divine greatness and holiness makes him feel strongly his own littleness and sinfulness. Like Adam after the fall, his first thought is to hide himself. Like Israel under Sinai, the language of his heart is, Let not God speak with us, lest we die. Exodus 20.19 Let us strive to know more and more, every year we live, our need of a mediator between ourselves and God. Let us seek more and more to realize that without a mediator, our thoughts of God can never be comfortable, and the more clearly we see God, the more uncomfortable we must feel. Above all, let us be thankful that we have Jesus, the very mediator whose help our souls require, and that through him we may draw near to God with boldness and cast fear away. Out of Christ, God is a consuming fire. In Christ, He is a reconciled Father. Without Christ, 
the strictest moralist may well tremble as he looks forward to his end. Through Christ, the chief of sinners may approach God with confidence and feel perfect peace. We should observe, lastly, in this passage, the mighty promise which Jesus holds out to Peter. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. That promise, we may well believe, was not intended for Peter only, but for all the apostles. And not only for the apostles, but for all faithful ministers of the gospel who walk in the apostles' steps. It was spoken for their encouragement and consolation. It was intended to support them under the sense of weakness and unprofitableness by which they are sometimes most overwhelmed. They certainly have a treasure in earthen vessels, 2 Corinthians 4.7. They are men of like passions with others. They find their own hearts weak and frail, like the hearts of any of their hearers. They are often tempted to give up in despair and to leave off preaching. But here stands a promise on which the great head of the church would have them daily learn. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Let us pray daily for all ministers, that they may be true successors of Peter and his brethren, that they may teach and preach the same full and free gospel which they preached, and live the same holy lives which they lived. These are the only ministers who will ever prove successful fishermen. To some of them God may give more honor, and to others less. But all true and faithful preachers of the gospel have a right to believe that their labor shall not be proved in vain. They shall often preach the word of God with many tears, and see no result for their labor. But God's word shall not return void. Isaiah 55.11 The last day shall show that no work for God was ever thrown away. Every faithful fisherman shall find his master's words made good. You shall catch men. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. In considering what we have just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, in what are we working toward in furthering the kingdom of God? Are we hindered by inconvenient situations, and if so, what could be done instead? Second, when a thing is clear, even if difficult, are we like Peter and obey, or do we question and procrastinate? When is the last time we did a clear command, boldly, unflinchingly, and decidedly? Third, what do we know of the fear of the Lord? Do we feel comfortable when around God, or are we growing in awareness of the greatness of God and our need for Jesus Christ? And lastly, do we pray that our pastor and the pastors and churches around us may preach the full and free gospel and to live holy lives for the glory of God? If not, would you start today?